0: I had someone ask me, so Joe, when are we going to get through the book of Luke? Well, we made it to chapter 10. There was a reason I asked, do we want to do the whole book of Luke? Because I knew it would take a while. (laughs) So, Luke 10, verses 13 through 16. And I read in Jesus' name, woe to you, Chorazin, woe to you, Bethsaida, And the one who rejects me, rejects him who sent me. Let us pray. Father, as we come to study your word, I pray that we would take it seriously and that we'd take these things to heart. Lord, that you would use your word to change us and indeed to make us more like Christ. Father, we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So today we're going to be talking about unrepentance because what... What does it look like then for the nations? What does it look like for the the cities, the towns, these, these groups of people? What does this look like when they reject? Because we were already told that there are going to be towns, whole towns that reject you. Now, um, well, I might as well get here. So as there's going to be whole towns, whole communities that are going to reject. Well, what's going to happen to them? What's going to happen to these cities what's going to happen to these individuals when they reject and so jesus is here pronouncing woes and a woe is it's if you look through the old testament you run into woes and you have the beatitudes on one hand and then you have the woes on the other you have the blessings on one hand and you have the the curses the (laughs) condemnations woe to you this is what's going to happen and this was a jewish way of looking at it and really it's a We should think in these terms too. We should think in terms of woe, woe to the one. How how bad is it going to be? Woe to that person. Bad is coming upon them. And this is the nature of reality. Bad things come upon, well, people, humans. So that doesn't mean that all bad things are out of wrath. Because as God brings discipline and God brings wrath upon a person or upon a group of people, they might be the same circumstance. But they're not necessarily the same outcome. Because wrath comes in order to destroy, whereas discipline comes in order to build up. It's a vast difference. Although the same circumstance can happen. So we'll take the inflation going on in America right now. Is the inflation that's going on in America, now at least everybody finally admits it's not transitory, is the inflation that's going on in America, is that God's wrath upon America or is God, that God's discipline upon America? Yes. Precisely. Yes. So if I take this as an opportunity for soul searching, as I take this as an opportunity for repentance, as I bring my sins before the Lord, Lord, what would you have me do with this. So as, as inflation has come, one of the things that I've prayed is Lord teach me through this. And I see that I have a tendency to rely too much on material things that I have a tendency to, you know, if I'm, if I'm bored and ridiculously dangerous, if I'm bored, i go and browse the internet, you know, something will come to mind. You should check that out. And like, Oh, well, that's interesting. There's another book that would be fascinating to have, you know, mine's books. And as you can tell, if you look in my library, I actually have to build new shelves. I have a problem (laughs) yeah not as bad as jerry's yet well he's older than i am he's been collecting longer but uh yes there pastors have oftentimes pastors have problems and they but our problems sit on bookshelves we have other problems too that sit in pews um (laughs) but that's that's a whoa okay lord what would you have me do with this what would you have me do with this okay i shouldn't seek just new, I should seek to be faithful with what I have. Do I know all of those books in there? So instead of just adding new, am I being faithful with what I have? And that becomes a discipline to me. Okay, God is disciplining me. Praise God. If I harden my heart and I refuse to listen and I just keep living in my own life, the way that I lived back when we had, you know, zero or even negative inflation during the Trump administration, if I continue to live my life like I did back then, what's it going to happen to me? It's going to become a woe. It's going to become a punishment. I'm going to go broke. You know, if I'm continuing to live my life that way, just hoping that everything will fix itself, it's going to break me. And that will be a, that'll be a punishment. But who is then the difference? Is it the circumstance? No. I'm the one that changes it. My response to that is that's what's going on. So that's the history of woes. And as we read in our Ezekiel passage, which is great for this, because what happens to the righteous person who repents of their righteousness and starts doing unrighteousness? Does their righteousness continue to count when they're living in unrighteousness? No. What happens to the person who's living in unrighteousness and repents and starts living in righteousness? Does that unrighteousness that they did in the past, does that continue to count against their claim? No. God looks at the righteousness. So it's the question of where are you living now? And, and this is, this woe, is It's focused on Israelite cities, whereas most of the, well, I can't say most of the woes. I can say quite a number of the woes in the Old Testament were focused on Gentiles. We're focused on those who are outside of the will of God. But here, the Israelites, these, Isra- this, these Jewish cities, they thought of themselves, God, God loves us. You know, God is God is working in us. God is God is blessing us. Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! For the mighty works done in you had been done entire in Tyre and Sidon. They would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. So these mighty works—what's going on? Jesus is going around and he's healing the sick. He's raising the dead. He's providing food. The Gent the disciples, not the Gentiles, the disciples are going into these cities. They're going to into these Jewish cities, these Jewish people who have all of this history, who have all of these prophecies, they have all of these promises, and they are fulfilling the promises. The promises are being fulfilled in their midst. And here, Jesus says: if the Gentiles had gotten these things, they would have repented. They would have repented, but you're getting these things and you're not. So what's Jesus saying here? These Gentiles, they're more righteous than you are. These Gentiles, they, are, they were in a closer walk with God than you are. And the purpose of this woe is to reveal to them their sin. It's to open them up to it because as we saw in the Ezekiel passage, as I live, declares the Lord God, I take no delight in the death of the wicked. God isn't Jesus isn't saying these things. God isn't saying these things. Saying <laughs> woe to you, I get vengeance now. That's not the concept at all. The reality is woe to you. This is sorrow. This is pain. Christ is proclaiming these things in in sorrow. Woe to you. So as we hear the rebuke of Christ, what do we do with it? What do we do with it we should take it as an opportunity solomon says in the book of proverbs the wounds of a friend are helpful they are beneficial they heal depending on your translation what does that mean so if, if someone who loves you rebukes you or even if someone who doesn't love you rebukes you what do you do what do you do if your sins are brought to you. Say I was talking to Caroline, and I use Caroline because I don't actually know any sins that she has, so it's handy. No. (laughs) But as I talk to Caroline, I say, Caroline, I see this happening in your life, and this is bad. You need to repent. If she says, who are you? Who are you to tell me to repent? Can you guys see Caroline doing that, putting her hands on her hips? Um, (laughs) And say, who are you, Pastor Joe? Pastor Joe. Who are you? Well, what's she doing? She's hardening her heart against the rebuke. She is actually throwing away an opportunity to get right with God, because as she hardens her heart against the person bringing the rebuke, as she hardens her heart against the person saying, "You know what? your relationship with God could be better, needs to be better, has greater opportunity. As she throws away that opportunity, the next time that she's rebuked, is it going to be easier or harder to repent? It's going to be harder. Think about that. It's going to be harder. And every time it's brought to you and you say, no, I don't want it, what happens? You get harder and you get harder and you get harder up to the point of destruction. What happens to a piece of steel if it's overheated and becomes, well, and it's quenched quickly? Those of you who know, it becomes brittle. It's very hard. I, had a, I made a knife when I was in high school and I didn't know what I was doing. Um, but it was, a, it was out of a, a haybine or the tying from a hay rake and so I made a nice 5160 steel I think it was not that that matters at all (laughs) who cares so I made this knife and I didn't know what I was doing and so I, I ground it and I heated it and I quenched it and I could put a really good edge on that but the first time I used it on wood the knife cracked why it wasn't tempered it was too hard it was too hard and I'd made it that hard through my ignorance. And that's what we do when we harden our hearts against God. We say, God, I don't want you. No, God, I don't want it. Whether that comes from Gene or whether that comes from Janet or whether it comes through reading the word of God, say, no, I don't want this rebuke. I want to live. I want to be right. I want to justify myself. What are we doing? Hardening, hardening, hardening. We're becoming brittle when suddenly we'll be broken without any recompense. Think about it. That's these woes. Tyre and Sidon, they were warned. And they said, no, we're going to follow our own gods. What happened to them? Jewish people are now being warned. What's going to happen to them? They have all these promises. Judgment is coming. They have all these promises. And this is why God says it's going to be worse for you. Think about this but it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. Okay, so Tyre and Sidon. Now, when you think of hell, do you just think of something that's single layer, like it's just all bad. Well, that's the way that I've kind of always thought about it until I started studying some of these passages. And it it seems that there is there is greater variability in both heaven and in hell than we as Protestants often think about. How exactly that works, I don't fully understand. Because it's not, I, I don't understand. This is all that I have. You know, stuff like this that says it will be more bearable on the judgment, uh, in the judgment. So the judgment is the day when Christ comes back. That's when the punishment, you know, repentance is done. There's no more opportunity. It will be more bearable in the judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. Why? They had less. To whom much is given, much will be required. Right? That's the same concept. So these Jewish people, what promise did they not have? Think about it. They had the word of God. Moses was read every Sunday. Saturday. (laughs) Not Sunday. Every Sabbath. I'll just use that. Every Sabbath. They had the promises. It was preached to them. It was proclaimed to them. The truths of God were proclaimed to them. And when they saw it face to face, what happened? We don't want it. We want our make-believe God instead of the real one. We want the one that only encourages us instead of the one that rebukes us. We don't want it. So Jesus says, don't worry. Things will be fair. The one who didn't have much, judgment will be more bearable for them. It's not that it's going to be fun. But it's going to be more bearable for them than it will be for those of you who have and have rejected and we have to check our hearts here too. How much more do we have than the Jews at that time? How much more do I have? Do I have more promises from God? Do, I, do we have a greater insight than the Jews who lived during Jesus' day and before? We have the truth of God. We have the Holy Spirit in our midst. We have the Holy Spirit inside of us, leading us and guiding us. When I harden my heart against God, God rebuking me. When I harden my heart there, God, that sin isn't that big of a deal. I'm not going to worry about that. What should this teach me? If it's more bearable for Tyre and Sidon than for Chorazin and Bethsaida, how much more bearable would it be for Chorazin and Bethsaida than for Joe Faldet who knows the Word of God? Think about that. We take this to heart. This isn't a joke. This is real. We take these things to heart. We take these things to heart for ourselves and we take these things to heart for our family. As I take these things to heart as a pastor. what will Hosanna stand? You know, I'm responsible for all of you. Do I take these things to heart? You know, I have to think about that in terms of my life and in terms of my family's lives and in terms of all of your guys' lives too. Do I take these things to heart? Because these are the promises of God. These are the rebukes of God. This is the they have the word ethos up there. Do we do we cultivate a a culture, an ethos, a culture of trusting God and walking in his ways? Or do we cultivate a culture of kind of ignoring God, disbelieving God, not relying on God, tolerating sin? Do we tolerate sin in ourselves and in the sin in the lives of others? Do we say, no, it's okay, it's not that big of a deal. Don't worry about it i'm sure god will forgive you or do we say brother sister repent jim um so ethos is the good question ethos is from the same root as ethnic and so it means a people or it means a culture so that's the the culture do we and so jesus is here speaking to cities because within a city within a group of people there gets to be a culture you know even saint james has a culture like well, wow, that's a pretty small group st james has a culture hosanna has a culture you walk into a church you will experience shortly the culture of that church you know how are people interacting with each other that's the culture what do they do with each other that's the culture each family has a culture that's why marriages are so much fun because it's the blending of two cultures that's always fun isn't it only fun But it's the cultures. We all have a culture. We all have an ethos. And so when Jesus is talking to Bethsaida and Chorazin, he's not just talking to the city limits. He's actually condemning the whole culture of that city. You have a culture here. You have a city. You have this ethos, this this way of thinking and interacting with the world that rejects Jesus Christ even though you have all the promises of the coming Messiah. We have to be careful that we don't develop that ethos. This is why This is why my personal life, my personal, like hidden where nobody else sees when I'm at home alone and my family's away, what does my righteousness look like there? What does my walk with God look like there? Because that has an effect on you guys. What you guys do in private has an effect on my walk with God too. Because we're all united in spirit. This is our culture. This is our ethos. We say culture, we think of a material thing. But we as Christians, we know that the spiritual world is deeper. It's bigger. And so this is why we can't allow sin to just fester within our congregation. Now, does that mean like we were talking about in Sunday school, does that mean we go and cast rebuke around like we throw rice at a wedding? No. So if you have insight into someone's life, whether that's into your own life or into someone else's life, what do you do? You pray, you intercede on their behalf. God, have mercy on them, forgive them, bless them, and pray that God would grant you opportunity. It's funny that that came up there and now it's coming up here. Because Bethsaida and Chorazin were blessed cities. They thought everything's going well. Everything's going well. And then what happens? They're looking at earthly blessings as a sign of divine blessing. everything's going good i'm sure the sin isn't really affecting them that it's not that big of a deal i don't know why i'm pointing to my pulpit (laughs) it's sin no it's it's inanimate my sin well i'm sure my sin isn't that big of a deal you know god's continuing to provide for me money obviously god's happy with me no no we can't look to the earthly things to teach us about the spiritual things if I have earthly blessings, I should be bringing them in worship and honor to God. If I have earthly difficulties, I should be bringing them in honor and worship to God. Lord, teach me through this. I've been given an opportunity to, to chair, a, chair a committee. You know what? What do I do with that? Do I say, hey, I'm pretty good. I don't know what this whole hands on the hips thing. People actually do that. Um, I put my hands in my pockets usually. That feels more natural. No, I'm pretty good. Or do I say, Lord, you got to help? If I'm given a blessing, do I call upon the Lord for help? How do I spend this? How do I use this? How do I, how do I interact with this? Where do I say, hey, praise Joe. Praise Joe from whom all blessings. No, that's not right. I'm not God here. If we're given more, we should be praying more. If we're given less, we should be praying more. How about that? Because the earthly goods, Corazón Beseda, um, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? You've been brought down to Hades. I think you're so great? You forget. Don't forget. Where do these things come from? And so, if I'm if I'm looking for earthly praise, I need to look to God. God, I want this. Provide you would probably say no, because <laughs> he knows us. And within this, the, the blessing, I, as I read this, the, the blessing of God. Because usually, and this is my personality, this might not be yours. And so I'll let you in a little bit. I'll open the door to who Joe is. If, if I'm talking to someone and they reject what I have to say, I blame myself. And that, that's, that's just my nature. I blame myself. You know, had, I, had my life been better, uh, you know, had I been prepared more, had all of these things been lined up, whatever those things were, you know, if I'm talking to someone about spiritual things, which is actually what I do most of the time, I um, have a really hard time having shallow conversations nowadays. It's interesting. But as I talk to people about spiritual things and they reject that, then I ask the question, well, where did I go wrong? And Jesus is here saying, no, that's not the way to approach this. Because he's actually identifying then with me. So he says, he who hears you hears me. You know what that means? That means when someone listens to me, I can't take credit for it. You know, that's great. Because I get to give the praise to Jesus. You know that he actually uses us? You know how we can know that he uses you? Because people listen. Think about that. If someone actually listens to me and their lives start to change, I can say, praise God. He is so powerful that he can use me. If I take credit for that, look at what Joe's done. Look at how he, Joe, look at it. Joe, look at yourself. Look how you've changed that person's life. What am I doing? I'm setting myself up for failure because that's a pedestal too big for me. I need a bigger hat to make. I got a pretty big head, especially with all his hair. <sighs> Don't worry when Kirsten comes home, it'll get cut. Um, Precisely. Because if they reject you, you know what that means? God's using you. Because sometimes, and you're like, well, Joe, you can't lose in that. You're right. If I'm walking with Christ, I can't lose. Period. If they reject me, Christ's working in me because he's trying to show them and show me that they're rejecting Christ. Because it's all about Jesus. If they hear you, they hear me. Praise praise God. If they reject you, they've rejected me. You know what? Praise God, now they can see. Now they can see that their hearts aren't right with God. If they're hardening their hearts, who is that on? Is it on me? No. Now, But now I know who that person is. Now I know who they really are. If I bring the love of Christ and say, brother, sister, this is wrong in your life. We need to work on this. You know, it's not like, hey, sinner get your act together we do this in love because if i have all knowledge and i have all wisdom and i can answer all questions but i have not love i am nothing I told in 1 corinthians 13 so we bring this in love we to- bring this in compassion we bring this in-, in empathy towards them because we want to see their lives change we don't want to see ourselves justified we want to see their lives change and as i'm loving this person and they reject me you know what that teaches me Now I know where this person stands with Christ. Now I know. And so He Christ has now used me to see the world for what it really is. Christ has now used me to show who this person really is. Now I can trust Christ in this. I can trust Christ to use even me. So if Christ because you're right, Jim. If God rejects you, that doesn't, or if not if God rejects you, if they reject you, that doesn't mean that Jesus isn't using you. That means he's using you in a different way. I much prefer to be used. In a way that brings repentance. But I have definitely been used in a way that brings rejection too. But that's still the work of God. So who am I in all of this? I am but a vessel. That's all we are. I'm not powerful. I'm not wise. And you're like, we know. <laughs> and I'm glad. These things aren't in us. Don't rely on yourself. Well, if only Pastor Joe is here. No, don't say that. Oh, I wish I could talk like Pastor Joe. Don't say that. You know what you should say? Lord, I need to be able to talk properly in this situation. Give me the words to speak. Lord, I need discernment in this situation. Give me understanding. Lord, I need a gentle heart in this situation. I need to learn to be more kind. Lord, you got to change me so that I can do that. It's not like, I'm not kind. Pastor Joe, will you come and... No. No, it's not about me. Praise God. I'm not, I don't, I'm not that big. But Christ is. The Holy Spirit is. If he's powerful enough to use me, he's powerful enough to use you. Right? And sometimes it's hard because we don't want to acknowledge oh, this is a person that rejects God. Does that mean that we just write them off? No. We pray for them. Lord, open their heart. Bring repentance. Work. Because if they reject us, you no, know, there's something worse coming. They have rejected the Father. They've rejected God. And that's a bigger deal. And so we pray, Lord, they've rejected me. That means they've rejected Jesus. That means they've rejected the Father. That means they are currently destined for hell if they don't turn. Woe to them. Father, bring repentance. Because who's powerful to actually bring repentance? Joe or God? Father, bring repentance. Use me if you want. Sometimes you'll say, All right, go again. Sometimes you'll say, I'll take care of it. I'll take care of it. All right, Lord, I'm going to walk in your ways and I'm going to trust you. This isn't your fight anymore. I'll send someone else. All right. So then what do we do? But Lord, I want to do it. You guys probably don't do that. We step, take a step back and say, okay, Lord, send someone else. Bless them to change this heart. So we, what's our first step? Am I right with God in this? Am I? Am I hearing this rebuke? If someone wounds me, brings a rebuke against me, whether they do it in love or in cruelty, what do I do with that? We take that wound and we say, thank you, Lord, is there any truth to this? We bring that to Christ. Lord, is there any truth to this? I've been called arrogant. I've been called judgmental. I've been called cruel. I've been called harsh. I've been called a bad pastor. I've been called a bad husband. I've been called a bad father. And every time I'm called to ask the question, Lord, is there any truth to this? And you know, with all of those, he has said there is some. Here are things. Here are things you need to repent of. Does that give me the right to say, well, who are you? Linda, who are you? To say that I'm a bad husband. She hasn't actually said that. Because she knows what it means to be a husband. But, you know, does that give me the right to attack Linda? No, I take that. And I say, Lord, is there any truth to this? He'll probably say, yeah. There is some. But here's a place to repent. Because if we harden our hearts against God, what are we doing? Woe to us. If I harden my heart against the messenger, then I've hardened my heart against Jesus. Then I've hardened my heart against God. And then does my previous righteousness earn me anything in heaven? No, because now I've hardened my heart against God. So what do we do? Lord, is there any truth in this? Change me. Make me righteous. Come back to Christ. Because you know what Jesus says in 1 John 1, nine: if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins, will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So then what do we do? We start beating ourselves up. No. We come to Jesus. Yeah, beating yourself up is not the way to do it. I come to Jesus, Lord, forgive me. And he says, I have. I will cleanse you. Praise God. Rejoice. We rejoice because he loves us enough to call us, even though we are sinners, and to call us out of that sin and into righteousness. That's why he rebukes. That's why we rebuke. Any questions? Yeah. Because that's part of that yeah, because all of this starts inside. And it, our first battle is in our own soul. You know, if I so with that. So Jim had, Jim had said if if I feel called to rebuke someone, my first step is to be interceding for them, to be praying for them. If I can't if I am rehearsing all of these negative situations in my mind. Not that any of you would ever ruminate on the negative. Um what what grows when I'm planting negative inside of my own soul? Curses. Bitterness. Yeah. If I'm cursing instead of blessing, if I'm saying, you know, that person shouldn't have done that to me, God. You've got to get them? <laughs> no. We don't do that. Lord, I give, this, I give them to you. I'm having a really hard time interacting with them right now. Not in hatred, not in frustration, not in, not in bitterness. Lord, you have to forgive me because I know all of those are sin. Lord, I give that person to you and I ask that you would bless them and be working. Because unless I can do it out of love, I should keep my mouth shut. I'm not called to rebuke out of anger. Because what does Paul say? Be angry and do not sin. So I don't rebuke out of anger, I rebuke out of love. And if I am called to rebuke that person, but now I'm feeling anger, what do I do? Okay, I'm going to take a step back. I'm going to pray, Lord, teach me to love. Help me to see this person for who they are. Help me to love. And you know what? This is the kingdom of God. He is powerful in it. Can he do that? Can he help you to love an unlovable person? Yeah. Does that mean that we're, that means we're always gentle. That means we use the least necessary force. So, any other questions or comments? All right, now you guys know how to do this. Now go and do. Easy peasy, right? Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you care for us enough to reveal these things to us. Lord, to to work, to to use even Chorazin and Bethsaida. Lord, to teach us. Capernaum, to teach us. Lord, and I pray that we would take these things to heart so that when you rebuke us, that we would be quick to repent. Lord, when someone else rebukes us, that we would be quick to come to you for clarity, for discernment. Lord, that when we when we see the sins of others, that we would be quick to intercede on their behalf. And if you give us the opportunity to rebuke, Lord, to bring that woe, Father, we thank you that you care for us that much, Lord, and that you identify with us, that you fill us. Lord, I pray that we would trust you as we do all of these things, as we really fight these spiritual battles in this world. Lord, that you would be glorified. Father, I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.